You are listening to a podcast from Vineyard Church of Augusta. For more information, visit vineyardaugusta.org. Hey, my name's Mary Margaret Leroy, and I'm the um, kids. Ooh, yeah, I'm the kids and outreach pastor here, and um, it's just really nice to see you. I'm obviously speaking today. I didn't just like walk up here and do that. <laughs> But I will say, okay, so this holding this microphone, I was telling Peter, I said, okay, so the sound industry is anti-women because you have to have a, like a belt buckle thing and that to hang on. Then I thought, well, no, it's just anti-anybody that wears dresses. Okay, so anyway, but I, okay, so I made my choice to dress this way today and I think I'm going for the 90s women's conference speaker look. Yeah. Yeah, not really, but (laughs) anyway. Hey, let's pray. Father, Son, Holy Spirit, we welcome you into every part of our being. Come, Holy Spirit. We exchange our hearts of stone for hearts of flesh. Break our hearts with the things that break yours. Help us love the things you love and to hate the things you hate. In the name of Jesus, we pray. Amen. Okay, so I'm going to uh, read two scriptures to you, and I'm not going to stop there from two different places. The first one is um, our theme verse for this month. It is Psalm 140, uh, verse 12. And then I'm going to go right into the scripture that I'm going to focus on today. Um, And it's Mark chapter 1, verses 40 through 45. So I'm just going to and there's a reason. There's a method to my madness, oh, Shakespearean fans. Um, <clears throat> I know that the Lord secures justice for the poor and upholds the cause of the needy. A man with leprosy came to him, Jesus, and begged him on his knees, if you are willing, you can make me clean. Filled with compassion, Jesus reached out his hand and touched the man. I am willing, he said. Be clean. Don't you love how Jesus prays? Just be clean. Immediately, the leper left him, and he was cured. Jesus sent him away at once with a strong warning. See that you don't tell anyone, tell this to anyone, but go show yourself to the priest and offer sacrifices that Moses commanded for your cleansing as a testimony to them. Instead, He went out and began to talk freely, spreading the news. As a result, Jesus could no longer enter the town openly, but stayed outside in the lonely places. Yet, people still came to him from everywhere. So this scripture to me reveals so much of the heart and the character of who Jesus is. Um, And to understand what he did, the gravity of what we did, we need to understand a little bit more about the leper. I think it's like, you know, a cross-cultural understanding that lepers are ostracized. So I think we, I think we get that. However, um, the leper would have to wear torn clothes and really unkempt hair. And I was thinking about that, that that is every middle school boy's dream. And so it's like, okay, so see how you can take something really sad and negative and make it kind of funny? So that reminded me of when I was in college, which was funny. But anyway, this specific time that I'm going to tell you about, um, you know, recently I went to Oral Roberts University, and we've been believers for a long time. And so 
you know, the Old Testament, you just get very familiar with the Bible. In the Old Testament, there's just a lot, you know, in there. And, you know, a really bad thing, like if you had broken, and this still happens in some parts of the world right now, but if you had done broken a law, a really bad one, they dug a hole, you got put in the hole, and they stoned you to death, okay? Boo, not fun. So one day, I don't know, I was just pondering this, and I thought, ooh, but wait, what if there was this person called the young Hebrew hippie? And he goes, what's so bad about being stoned? <laughs> a friend of mine, he, we would, I know, I know, just let it, let it wash over you. There are so many other little things, and he was a stick figure, and he just had all kinds of things. Now, in no way am I condoning the use of illicit drugs, okay? But that is funny. Um, anyway, back to what, okay, so they could have, now, see, I'm trying to, this is what we do in kids' church. We balance the silly with the serious, because now I'm getting re- going to be very serious again. This, the lepers, once they were like, hey, you have that. They could have no contact with friends nor family. Um, they were, they had to, uh, whenever they went through town, they had to make sure that their, um, there was like a veil over their face and they had to scream out, unclean, unclean. And because they were ill and they were considered unclean, they lost all social standing. They lost every relationship that they had. Um, they were disallowed to enter the temple and to be disallowed to enter the temple was both a societal and spiritual wasteland. So much happened inside the temple as far as just relationship and commerce and just this is connection and this is how we live. But then also, you had to enter into the temple, you had to offer sacrifice, and that's how you receive forgiveness. Well, if you're not allowed in the temple, you don't get to offer sacrifice you don't get forgiven. You are lost. These people were considered the living dead. Not the walking dead. I know you're going there, but it's not. But this is what they were considered. So again, to understand the gravity of what Jesus did. So let's look at the scripture again. A man with leprosy came to him and begged him on his knees. If you are willing, you can make me clean. The man should have been yelling, unclean, unclean. He should have been yelling all this, and instead he came rushing up to Jesus and said, if you're willing, you can, you can heal me. Now, Jesus was a law-abiding Jewish man. He knew the laws of purity. Touching another person who was unclean make, made you unclean. And that's what draws me to love Jesus. Filled with compassion... Jesus reaches out and touches the man and says, I am willing. And who knows the last time that that man had any kind of human interaction, any kind of human touch. Jesus did that. Osborne calls Jesus touching the leper the love hermeneutic. That is the willingness to break Jewish taboos to help the suffering. Jesus is pictured as one whose concern for people outweighs legal prescription. By the way, I think that would be a great name for a band or a podcast, the hermeneutic, I mean, wait, the love hermeneutic. Okay, obviously you don't, so there. Um, 
but touching is so, I just think that's really great, the love hermeneutic. Anyway, um, touching is so important in ancient healing stories. In the Old Testament, over 80 times, touching was involved in healing someone. And the belief was that once they were touched, that the healing power would go out from the person into the sick person and, and healing would happen. But you know, there are a few occasions when Jesus did not touch the person. Because we've got to remember, Jesus always does what he sees the Father doing. And like I think of the centurion, he came running up to Jesus and he, his son, was, if you'll just speak, you don't have to come to my, just speak, and my servant's going to be healed. And that, because he understood the authority of Jesus, and that's what happened. But then in Luke chapter 7, verses 11 through 17, Jesus raised a dead girl. He took her by the hand. Okay, um, purity law fact. If you touch someone or something that is dead, you are defiled. Once again, Jesus cares more for people than he does this legal prescription. Jesus sees the invisible and he touches the untouchable. Jesus is Psalm 140.12. So what I want you to do, we're going to set that aside for a bit, and now I'm going to tell you a story. And it is the story of how Vineyard Church of Augusta arrived at Compassion Month. Okay? Um, it's going to be a highlight reel, don't worry. So, okay, um, and the beauty of having been here so long, I, it's firsthand experience I can tell you about this. So our church was humming along, um, you know, now remember, this is like in the early 90s, okay? Some of you were not born. But anyway, it was a long, long time ago in a land far, far away. Um, actually, it was part of it was in this room. Um, but we were just kind of humming along, you know. At that period of time, this kind of band worship, I mean, there were still people that thought like this might be like a sin to not have a choir and we're irreverent. You can wear what you want to, sort of, you know, and all that kind of thing. So, mm -hmm. so, uh, but we were just humming along, you know. Life was good. We'd, you know, we were experiencing the Holy Spirit, which was new for a lot of us. Um, I remember my own experience. Just every time I came in, I would just just weep, and it wasn't for sadness. It was just God was just doing this work, and so that we just thought, "Yay, life is great." We were on a perfect trajectory for complacency and consumerism. We didn't know that. We just thought we were, "Woo, here we go." Um, and then this thing happened in a lot of churches, and we refer to it as the Toronto Blessing. And um, some of us went up there, and anyway, we came back to here, and we started having these services, like, I mean, like, night after night after night. And it was basically, you know, worship. And at the time, I need to set the scene for you a little bit better. At the time, Reese was our worship pastor and executive pastor, and Thor Kohlberg, the gentleman who um, founded the vineyard, he was our pastor at the time. And so we would have these, and I'm telling you, you know, God would just show up. And this is going to sound really weird, but we're Christians, and so we're weird. So there. So, but I remember there are times like you could just look up, and like it was like body carpet. I mean, the Holy Spirit would just come. I mean, nobody was pushing anybody down. There was no manipulation. We were just hungry after God, and we were just experiencing this thing that we'd never experienced before. And we were just open. Well, you know, then it's, you know, you're doing that a lot, and 
Then Thor asked, and to me, and I have told him this, um, this, is his, this is why he founded Vineyard Church of Augusta to me. I mean, this was his time to shine. I mean, he pastored us beautifully through that. Because what happens is, you know, a feeling is really awesome, and that's a lot of that, an experience, and that's part of what we, you know, what's part of what we believe as the vineyard is you experience the Holy Spirit. You just don't read about it. You, you enter into it, and he enters into you. But Thor asked this question. He said, so, you've been down on the floor. What's different when you get up? We can't just go, yay, and then just be ourselves. If it's a real encounter with the Holy Spirit, we're going to start seeing change. And so that is where we started as a group and as a church praying, what, what, are, what is this? What are we supposed to do? What's supposed to come out of this? And that is where our ministry to the poor was born. And it began pretty humbly, uh, kind of clunky. Um, somehow we met a woman who's a single mom and her name was Jackie and she was at around Thanksgiving time was cooking dinners in a community center near one of the housing developments, public housing properties, communities. And so like, Hey, there's somebody, we can do that. And so we began to help her do that. Um, and then that grew into, well, because okay, at the time, this church was from this point over, and the cry room was our kitchen. So we couldn't really do a whole, whole lot. Um, so we partnered for a time with our friends across the street, Warren Baptist, because not only did they have one kitchen, they had two. And they were so gracious, and we, you know, we did this together um, and so that was going on. At the same time, we were like, wait, people need help besides just at Thanksgiving. And so Olmstead Homes, public housing um, community, that I don't even know how we were drawn to Olmstead, but that's where we went. And really every weekend, I mean, just about, it started out, it was every Saturday, we would come to the church, pack up groceries, and we would go um, door to door, and we would knock on the doors and say, would you like prayer or groceries? You can have neither. You can have either. It's your choice, whatever. One's not dependent on the other. And here's a funny little thing that we did. Um, most of us at that time, see, this was at least 21 years ago because our oldest daughter was two. And so a bunch of us were in that stage of life. And we're like, yeah, you know, you're all like radical and energetic. Like, yeah, we're going to take our kids because we want them to grow up in that. And I don't regret that one minute. And in fact, okay, so now I'm going to step out and give you a shameless plug for the small group I'm going to be doing in January. It's a parenting group. And it doesn't matter if your kids are adults or if your kids are six weeks old. And here's the name of the group. I'm not even kidding. Here's the name of the group. Nothing works. How to navigate loving your children. <laughs> So sign up. But we made that choice. It was like, this is something. And that's why you see a lot of our outreaches, they have these important words, family friendly. I just think train up a child does not, is not limited to mean bring them to church on Sunday. Although I love you to bring them to church on Sunday because we have a good time down there. But it's so much more than that. 
And so it's really funny. I was thinking of um, a few of the families that I, my poor brain can still remember that we would do that. And, you know, here's just a funny little thing. All those kids, that's just, a lot of them are adults now, and that's just who they are. That's what they chose as vocations. They are vocations of helps. Anyway, so we would, we would do that. We also had a, a date, well, it was an over, a sleepaway camp. And it was called Camp Flood. And we would um, take kids, and again, they were from Olmstead. We would take kids, and we would go to some awful campground. That be- Yes, yes, it was beautiful because Kent was there. And we would, you know, drive them. And the children, I mean, their, their entire universe was... was um, Olmstead Homes and the school that was right outside of there. And so I remember we would, you know, drive out, you know, it was a, uh, in Lincolnton is where we went for the most, most of the time. And, you know, when you see cows and the first time a 13 or 14 year old sees a cow, it's remarkable. And so we got to be a part of all that. And, um, okay, now this, <laughs> you know, nothing, it's, I'm painting this like it was a big Disney movie, but like here's one time. Reese was driving, they had, and while they're there, um, they're all kind, it's a full, like a regular day camp experience, and it's completely free. Um, our ministry to the poor, our compassion offering, you know, paid the bill for everything. Um, but during the day, a few of the days, they would leave as a group and go do some kind of outreach. And so they went to, I think it was a nursing home uh, one particular time, and Reese had a group of the boys in the in his car, and they had you know, yay camp, go to the nursing home, do the outreach, angelic experience, and then on the way back to camp, they start beating the living mess out of each other. Reese has to pull over, break it, that's, that's just the messiness of life, okay? So um, we began to have block parties at Olmstead from time to time, and from that we were able to create our storehouse food pantry. So much has come out of that. And then somewhere along the way, we were able to buy that plot of land across the street. And a few, we try to like have that run just by, you know, volunteers, but it's hard to take care of a garden when it's not in your backyard, especially when you've worked eight hours at a job. So God sent this wonderful woman, um, named Kim, who did the uh, Augusta Locally Grown. And she got involved with the um, Helms College. She came and she took care of our garden. She just really made our garden this beautiful place. And then we could just you know, check in and do it when we could. And then Kim's husband was a physician and they moved away to Washington, D.C., I believe. And I thought, oh, no. We're just going to plow it over. We're just going to plow it over and build something because we can't take care of this. And then God sent Elliot Price, who is just just a great human. And Elliot is master gardener, and he works for Georgia Tech, and he has more energy than anybody, anybody, anywhere, ever. And um, Elliot has a lovely group of master gardener volunteers. And if you want to serve in that, you certainly can. Um, and in fact, December 17th, mark your calendar. That's our next um, church-wide day. So many other things happened. So many other partnerships were developed. Um, 
St. Stephen's House is the last big one I'm going to highlight for you. Uh, there was a house on Green Street, and it's called, it was called, the ministry is called St. Stephen's House, and it was a house for people who are um, at risk of being homeless, but they're HIV positive. And so we would go monthly and have, um, have lunch and just talk. We actually did an alpha there. And here is something. If you don't think that there is a stigma to being HIV positive, you are a little bit wrong. They, um, one of the distinct times that they were talking to us about just life, um, there is, I'm not sure if this still happens downtown or not, but it's a, it was a, like a community thing, a community food tasting. And it was called, I think, Empty Bowl. And people would walk up to their table and tell them, I'm not going to eat that AIDS chili. I know, I know. It's, I just, that was just totally not in my wheel. It's like, what, really? So Jesus gave us an opportunity. Um, about two years ago, St. Stephen's um, changed their direction. They're no longer providing housing, but still pray for them as they disseminate the funds. But we have had marvelous opportunities to reach out and do things. Mercy Ministries is um, a homeless day shelter. One of our uh, nurses here in our congregation, Pamela Bronander, she goes there every Wednesday and has like a, a little clinic. She literally binds the wounds of people that, that cannot, do not, <laughs> will not. As a church, we are always asking, praying, looking for where we should serve. Where are those who are devalued? Uh, Reese has been mentioning for the last year our partnership, a new partnership we're developing with Family Promise. It's a national organization. We'll be working with the local chapter that helps families um, get out of homelessness. Um, and in addition to participating in their short-term housing, he's mentioned to you about the church purchasing a home. It's going to be called the Compassion House. Um, just a little a little update. We just this past week got um, the schedule for when we are going, the two weeks that we are going to be um, housing families here on campus next year, and you'll hear more about that. And also there's been some progress made on, um, on our readiness to purchase um, a home. And that's something I really want to ask you to make a matter of prayer, because if you're paying any attention to the real estate market, you know if a house is for sale on Tuesday, it's sold on Wednesday. And we just don't want to make a wrong decision, don't want to feel pressured. So if you would just make that a matter of prayer that the right house comes available at the right time in the right place. Um, yeah. And so, and I, I mentioned before about us um, serving in a public housing community. So things change and evolve. And so what we're going to begin doing is instead of driving four miles to Olmstead Homes, we're gonna walk right out our front door and take a right. Darn it, every time I do this. Ugh. And um, we're gonna start engaging in the neighborhood that is between here and Westside High School. Um, our first date that we're really gonna have a planned um, engagement is going to be on April 16th, that's Holy Saturday, and we're gonna be offering prayer and groceries. So, and now you're here today. So let's circle back to the scripture that I read you and the purity issue. When someone was cured of purity, of purity, <laughs> that's funny, cured of purity. <laughs> A lot of us are that, oh, sorry. 
I'm not, I'm averting, not, not looking at anybody, so making any eye contact. Um, when someone was cured of leprosy, Leviticus gave specific instructions about what to do as Leviticus does. Um, there's a three-part plan. One, bird blood and water had to be sprinkled on the person. Okay, I would have just passed out right there. Then a live bird was released to symbolize the, pure, the impurity leaving. The person had to bathe, launder, shave um, at the beginning and the end of a seven-day quarantine. We know that word. Um, the person had to take sacrifices to the temple, and after this, they were readmitted to society. The person who helped with all that then had to go through purification rituals themselves. So Jesus and the leper, they skipped step one and two. Um, and Jesus skipped the purification rites that he was supposed to go through. Jesus says this later, but he demonstrates it right now. It's the purity of the heart that matters. We get to be the hands and feet of Jesus, and in this story, we get to touch those who are considered untouchable. This is the kingdom of God. Every person who ever was, who is, and who will be is created in the image of God. Every person. And all kinds of things seek to bury that image. This is the cause of the needy. People need food, they need education, they need God, they need work, and all of this needs to be surrounded by love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, gentleness, self-control, all the fruit of the Spirit. That is the kingdom of God. You can do all these things. You can do good stuff apart from being a believer, but there is an emptiness to that, and there is a lack of fulfillment in what a human being needs when we do that. But guess what? You do not have to wait on the church to plan an event for you to engage in bringing justice to the poor. Look at who you're close to. The, the title of this talk was, you know, Compassion Proximity. As a church, we do what we can to, you know, get close, but we're not here 24-7. We don't walk in your shoes. I want to, to challenge you. Look around and be open. Ask God to open your eyes to see the poor and the outcast. And here's the thing. He's going to. Now, the universe is typically divided into two parts, introverts and extroverts. I'm going to talk to the introverts first because I'm a dues-paying member of that community. My friends we have to put the needs of others in front of our fear. What's more important, our fear or the need of others? Oh, extroverts, you just got to calm down and be quiet. <laughs> People want to be heard. They have a story to tell, and you get to hear it. Now, it sounds like there's nobody gets to be comfortable, and that's exactly right. Um, to quote our founder, John Wimber, God comes to comfort the afflicted and to afflict the comfortable. We have to be close to people, literally, to touch them. 
COVID protocols uh, did a lot to restrict that. But let me tell you that by looking someone in the eye, you are communicating love and respect, and that can accomplish so much. Here's another challenge. When we see someone that we deem as poor, what thoughts go through our head? Are we valuing them? Are we judging them? Are we looking at them through compassion? Remember, every human is created in the image of God. And so now I'm going to like, oh, I don't want to hurt anybody's feelings, but maybe. So to me, there's this thing, or this is my language, you know, called the Christian bubble. And there's a difference between the Christian bubble and the way of love that is following the way of the crucified Christ. And when I say the Christian bubble, I, um, it's a Disney movie where all, it's like taking a test where all the answers are either yes or no. Um, and good for you. <laughs> but following the crucified Christ, that's messy. That's complicated. And that's real. And I want to encourage you, don't be afraid. Jesus is with us. I was thinking about this this week. The, um, think about how oxygen is touching every part of your body. That is the presence of God. He will not leave you. He will not forsake you. We are called to bring God's justice to the poor. Vineyard Church of Augusta. That's who we are. So on the bus, off the bus, this is, this is us. I want you to be on the bus. Everybody be on the bus. <laughs> but you know, not just this church. All believers are called to bring justice to the poor. There's a scripture in uh, Proverbs, Proverbs 31. Everybody always just does that for the, the busy woman thing. But before all that part starts... Speak up for those who cannot speak for themselves, for the rights of all who are destitute. Speak up, judge fairly, defend the rights of the poor and the needy. That does not have any, it doesn't say unless, except, no, no. It's for all of us. We are so deeply blessed to have our storehouse food pantry. We are so blessed to be able to be in the presence of those who do not have. John Wimber also said that, and this is an interesting statement to me, that we need the poor to help work out our salvation. The whole idea that our faith without works is dead, that's, that's really in the Bible. So what, what is Jesus calling us to do? What is he calling you as an individual to do, you as a family to do? One thing I want to invite you to um, is uh, Sam mentioned that this Saturday we have our Thanksgiving gift box that we're giving away. That is for our food pantry clients. We are going to be giving 150 families everything they need to make their own Thanksgiving dinner. And the fact that you gave to the Compassion Offering last November is why we get to do that this November. And it's not only 
the funds, all those are very important, if it is any way possible for you to interact and be present to the proximate, I invite you and I encourage you to do that. It will change your life. You know, we, we, right now in our staff meetings, we're going through a book. It's a really old book, but it still has really good stuff in it um, called Volunteer Revolution. And it's all about serving. And just, it changes us. It, it changes us.